Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Between the Alps and Slovenia and 1,200 islands of the coast in Croatia, Montenegro's coast and incredible mountains and Serbia and into Kosovo and its mountains and lakes and Macedonia with incredible food and just incredible people and also incredible uh, mountains. You know, I know this sounds like some kind of tourism sales pitch, but it's impossible to get bored. Welcome to Jump Podcast. I'm your host, Traveling Jackie, and I'm here to explore travel, adventure, and lifestyle in ways meant to motivate you to move and get out and see the world. Let this show be a source of travel advice and inspiration, but remember that in the end, it's you who takes the leap. Wow. Okay. This conversation you're about to listen to is so good. It's not exactly what I had planned for this episode, but it turned out to be a very important conversation about a place that is very important to me. And even though we're going to have you with us for nearly an hour today, I think every bit of it is so necessary and such a good lesson in letting the past be past and focusing on the now. And that's probably going to make more sense later in this episode. But um, so today we're joined by Alex Kravar, who is originally from Atlanta, but he's spent a good amount of time in the Western Balkans in the past 20 plus years. He's a travel writer, cycling enthusiast, sustainable tourism proponent, and a friend of mine I've run into a couple of times in the Balkans myself. Um, he's going to lead us today in a bit of a history lesson of the countries that used to form Yugoslavia and give us kind of a 30,000 foot view going in and out of the Western Balkans today. Uh, just really scratching the surface of the complex history of this region and the distinct cultures and the incredible landscapes and why now is an incredible time to visit. So let's first get clear on the map of where this is all taking place so you can sort of imagine it if you aren't, or even if you are familiar with the Balkan Peninsula. All right. So in your mind, find Italy. You all know Italy. Picture the boot of Italy that comes down into the Mediterranean Sea from the north. All right. Now, east of Italy is the Adriatic Sea. And along that coastline opposite, you'll find Slovenia, Croatia, going south, Montenegro, and then to the south of that is Albania. And eventually you'll get to Greece if you keep going. So Croatia makes up most of the coastline opposite Italy. And that coast is known as the Dalmatian coast. Fun fact, the dog breed was named after the region. And uh, another fun fact, it is through Dalmatia along the Croatian coast that we will be biking and boating on my group trips this October. More about that in a minute. So yes, if you go all the way down, you'll get to Greece. But if you go east from Croatia, you'll get to Bosnia, Herzegovina, Serbia. South of those is Montenegro and Kosovo. And south of that, just north of Greece, is what's now known as North Macedonia. You'll hear us refer to it simply as Macedonia in this conversation. These countries make up what used to be Yugoslavia. Albania is excluded. It's just a neighbor. And um, this is one of the corners of the planet that has completely stolen my heart. I love it. I'm really excited to get to share this conversation with you today. And I hope that anyone considering going to the Balkans will give it a listen as sort of an introduction of attempting to understand a region. <laughs> also, we refer to it as the Balkan Peninsula, which in its entirety would include Greece at the very south. And then on the eastern side is Bulgaria. Uh, and Romania is north of Bulgaria. And to the east of both of those is the Black Sea. And then you have Turkey bordering at the south of that and continuing to the east. So I love maps. I love geography. I hope I haven't entirely confused you. But anyway, this is Southeastern Europe, the Western Balkans. And again, the countries we're going to be mostly talking about today include Slovenia, Croatia, Bosnia, Herzegovina, 
Serbia, Macedonia, Montenegro, and Kosovo. (laughs) And like I said, I am taking a group of you, actually two groups technically, to Croatia this October to explore the islands by bike and boat. And we do still have a few spots left, but registration is closing soon. So if you get inspired to join me after this episode, dude, do it. Just say yes to adventure with a capital A. (laughs) Um, You can find those trips at travelingjackie.com slash Croatia. You can tell that one way or another, I am determined to introduce you to the Balkans. So here we go. We have a new brand partner here at Jump Podcast. I am very excited to introduce Gooder Sunglasses to the show. Personally, I'm truly loving their no slip, no bounce, even while I'm running promise, which is mind-blowingly true. But don't just take it from me. My name is Dawn, and right now I am midway up a trail on my mountain bike. Just taking a break on the side of the trail. I'm sporting my sunbathing with wizards. Gooder sunglasses. Uh, I absolutely love Gooder sunglasses. This is probably my fifth pair. They're super comfortable, very light. They don't slip down your face. I think they're the perfect addition to my adventure kit. Probably my most memorable pair was my EMOMs that I took when I did a through hike of the Tahoe Rim Trail in 2019. They protected my eyes out there and looked really cool in all my pictures. <laughs> If you want to support the show and treat yourself to a pair of Gooders, head over to Gooder.com and enter JUMP15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order. That's G-O-O-D-R, Gooder.com, and use JUMP15 to get 15% off your entire order. Look good, adventure Gooder. This episode is also sponsored by the Dude Ranchers Association at DudeRanch.org. And here's the last little snippet from our reflections around the campfire from my Dude Ranch visit this last November. This part is about the highlight for me, which was our cattle drive. There was a time when like, there was like a stampede. Yeah. And it was literally because yeah. Heather, her horse tripped. She went, oh! And they all just I started were like, running. Bye. See you later. And then I look at Heather, she's like, that was me. Oh my God. So that was sorry. totally fine. It was so yeah, I, thought you was there, I was like, oh, it's cool. You get to see them do something different. But it's so funny because you, you yell at them the whole time, but it was a, it was like a different sort of like sharp, visceral sound. Mm-hmm. And they were all like, see you later. That was or, what they speak. Yeah. They were speaking cow. Yeah. And they, they off. It worked. So I know it got taken out, but I was like, oh my God. It worked. And it was cool to see. Like yeah. it was neat to see and hear because it was really loud. Like all of a sudden, it's They're like, moving. like the movies. Yeah. Right? It, like yeah. it felt like it's it. Like, yeah. They seemed cool. so lazy before, but then they were like, oh, we're on the move. Yeah. Damn, I guess we did a good job. We got compliments. Yeah, killed it. Right? We did. <laughs> <laughs> I think we did a really good job. Thanks to your, <laughs> thanks to your mix-up, it was probably a record yeah. time. You know, like that little extra. But we got here so fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's one of my favorite ones, just because that for me was the highlight actually was the cattle drive that we did. I'd never been part of one before. And it was so amazing to get on a horse and be able to direct the cows and have a responsibility for making sure that the cows were actually rounded up and made it through. We took them through fields and streams, rivers, Um, to another pasture for the winter season. And it was just quite exhilarating. We saw bald eagles while we were out there. We just really got to connect with the animals. And then, of course, what you just heard was us connecting with each other and just laughing about it afterwards because it was just such a new experience for all of us. And this is the sort of thing that awaits you if you choose to do a dude ranch vacation. So if you are at all interested in connecting with nature and horses and having an adventurous vacation like no other that you've had before, check out duderanch.org to find a dude ranch that's suitable for you. Thank you guys so much for your attention to that. And let's go ahead and get Alex on the line. Hello, Alex. What's going on, girl? How you doing? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. I can see you now. Hello. How are you? <laughs> I'm good. Hello. Cheers. Is that coffee? It is. I drink about 50 cups a day. Okay. Because I know it's like 5 p.m. where you are. 
Exactly, which is a perfect time actually to drink coffee. I mean, it's usually <laughs> uh, five o'clock is usually the last cup of coffee for people here. But I start drinking. Oh. I, I take a nap every day, and so uh, um, my nap is always the beginning of a second coffee period. Nice. I've learned through my travels that I think the best time to drink coffee is when you want it, and the best way to drink coffee is the way you like it. So, <laughs> lots of people won't. Yeah, argue girl, that's that's. That's just motto for life. <laughs> That's true. You, you, That's you, very n- true. N- name, name the noun and insert it. That's perfect, <laughs> exactly. Perfect, exactly. Perfect metaphor for life. Um, so let's share some fun facts just to set the stage about where you are and what's going on and, and who you are. Um, because <laughs> I, I find you incredibly interesting, your story and... How, where you are and why you're there. So um, why don't we start with that? Where are you today? You are incredibly polished. Um, I am in... I'm on the island of Far, which I know oh, yes. you have been to on multiple occasions. It's not where I live, though. I live in Zagreb, Croatia. Um, I'm a travel writer and have been for about 22 or 3 years. Uh, and uh, I have uh, spent... A fair amount of that period, uh, both as a uh, uh, and most of my adult life, I guess, as a travel writer based in the Balkans. So, Croatia doesn't necessarily consider themselves as the Balkans, but it is on the Balkan Peninsula. So, at the sake of losing any Croatian friends, I've spent most of my career in the Western Balkans. That's it's touchy, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but I mean, you know, it's also, but it's also touchy for me because you know, it doesn't really matter how long I have been here or what it is that I do, or even the fact that I, you know, I have uh, my grandfather's from here. I'm always going to be a foreigner, you know. So, and 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 I, I risk. I want to res- pay as much respect to that uh, as I can because, yeah, the the intermingling of histories here is complex and dense, mm-hmm. and I think that that's part of what draws me. It's also part of what I think people who really love this region are drawn by. It's beautiful. The landscapes mm-hmm. here are beautiful. The culture here is beautiful. But, you know, to some degree, that goes so far. And then you're left with what actually creates the way you feel when you're in a place. And that, mm-hmm. for me, is created by a dense, complicated often beautiful, sometimes tragic uh, history. And so, mm-hmm. yeah. So it is. I have, to, I, have to, I have to watch what I say. It's not like, you know, I'm from right. Atlanta, Georgia, and I can say what I want there because I don't really care what people think. I, you know, I can claim that I'm from Atlanta, but mm-hmm. I'm not from here. And mm-hmm. I don't want to ever pretend like I am. Mm-hmm. Here's a question that I have for you because we haven't... While we've kind of danced around this topic of like, it's complex. And there, there are people out there who have no idea what we're talking about right now. And so how about this? If you were to suggest a few cities slash museums to go to to educate yourself on this history in this region, what would you say? Mm, that's a really good question. Well, that's really interesting because, you know, uh, to break this down to a slightly finer point without geeking out too much, uh, you know, there, there were six republics within the former Yugoslavia. Um, and the former Yugoslavia is what I basically mean when I say where I have focused my energy. And this is basically the western half of the Balkan Peninsula. Um, there are now seven places that can be considered uh, former Yugoslavia because of Kosovo, which again becomes a very interesting and complex situation because you know some of the countries in the region um except Kosovo as as a as a nation and, and some don't. So um I'm not gonna ever play favorites in any of these these games. I have personal opinions, but it's not something for me to broadcast. So there's seven of them. And then also Albania, which is not a part of former Yugoslavia, but it's definitely a major part of my realm because it's an it's an Adriatic country. I have many great friends there. I've covered it several times. And it also is a glue that that pulls together, you know, Montenegro, Kosovo. It also touches Macedonia. Um, so anyway, uh, the question of, of museums. And the reason I bring all those up is because all of those countries see this history a little bit differently. 
mm-hmm. you're not going to find a lot of you know the, the 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 kind of museums that you might find in Croatia would speak to their art and their history in a certain way um uh, that would be completely different than a museum in Belgrade that looks at the Yugoslavian history Croatians are not crazy about the Yugoslavian history because it was all the capital of Yugoslavia was Belgrade and so you know there's there are issues between the way that each of them see their history which is natural there's yeah. histories there's issues about the way we see our history in the United States mm-hmm. somebody from the south isn't doesn't see history the same way somebody from the north does so um it's a good question with with the, with the with the museums i mean you know for my uh, there's a, a wonderful contemporary art museum in zagreb croatia the capital of croatia which i think speaks a lot about the personality of zagreb it's a very artistic city and uh they spent a long time building that very modern contemporary art museum um you have a contemporary art museum as well in skopje which is the capital of macedonia which was built immediately after a massive earthquake hit there in the 60s and gives a sense of the way that that city feels. I mean, that museum sits on the oldest part of their town over it, and it's just a giant glass box in the distance, and it's completely incongruous of the rest of the landscape. Um, maybe a more an easier way to think about how these histories work together is that, you know, they all have their own histories, which are all completely valid for their own personalities. These countries were all joined together um, on multiple occasions, but the one that probably is the most valid right now is uh, when Yugoslavia was formed post-World War II. So, you know, those countries brought all their different perspectives to the table and their perspectives were unified for a time politically, but as we know, they didn't stay unified. So make a very long story short, having to take hundreds and hundreds, 1500 years, because the, the Slavs came south to the Balkan Peninsula in around the seventh century or in the 700s, they have their own histories once they broke apart and went into these different areas that were then unified to some degree under Yugoslavia and then broke back apart in a way that were, was in some ways even more politically distinct because they needed to be more visibly politically distinct because they were breaking apart again. So the complication isn't just that these were a bunch of folks who lived together and then didn't like it and then they fell back apart. They had a history that was interlaced for for centuries and centuries and centuries that worked in a certain way. When they were within Yugoslavia, it was a real study in how do you bring multiple histories, because I won't even say, you know, it's the same ethnicity, the same histories, different histories together uh, and have them not uh, resent each other for it, which, you know, that's a debatable subject. And then when it fell apart, they needed to regain their own personalities. And so that complication of understanding how countries reclaim their person, I don't think I'm saying anything even controversial here. They all, and anybody who's been to any of these countries knows the way a feel, the feel of Sarajevo, which is the capital of Bosnia, feels from Belgrade, feels from Zagreb, feels from uh, Skopje, which feels from uh, Pristina, and, you know, they all have their own feelings, but to the outside observer, it just seems like a bunch of cities in a country that used to be Yugoslavia, but they're all, they're all different in their own way. And, and so it's complicated, you know, you don't want to, as a foreigner, you don't want to seem stupid, which, you know, I still, I still stress about seeming stupid in here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I want to say well done because it's really hard to, uh, to, to even talk about this in, yeah. in, a, in a short story form that makes sense when you're just introducing it to people who have no idea. And that's the point I want to make here is if you guys want to learn about the Balkans, you've got to go and experience it because it's so different everywhere. And I think what you said was a, was a good starting point, hitting the, hitting the major cities and just staying for a few days in each exploring the museums and just taking it in and not even necessarily trying to understand because after 20 
plus years of living in this region, this is what Alex is saying. And so it's hard enough yeah. for, I think, even the locals to grasp. Um, the locals in all of the different countries that it's not. Well, they something... have their own. They have their own take on. It. I mean, they grasp it in the way that they want. In some ways, it's harder for us as as foreigners, not just because we didn't grow up with it, and because we're not as well versed in in the way that these things fit together. It's just that we almost by nature have to play it. Um, I have to play it objectively. I mean, you'd be a fool to come here and not be objective and to take and to take any side, you know, I would never do that, but to even think of it in that perspective. So, you know, it's almost easier in many ways for somebody who's from here because they have their established feel about the way this, about the way things are. And yeah, I mean, what you said is exactly, I think, I think the museum part of it kind of what your question there, which is an excellent one, kind of threw me off a little bit because I don't know that I would necessarily think about how to define it via museums. I think of it more about how to define it via food or okay. occasionally, <laughs> wow, occasionally yeah. via music or, mm-hmm. or um, from the different landscapes, because as mm-hmm. you know, and as you and I share, uh, you know, I'm a mountaineer and a cyclist and, mm-hmm. and, and all these things. And so, uh, when I, in my mind's eye, when I think of these countries, I think of them and what they represent and what they offer geographically as well. Yeah. The reason I asked you that is because you can go... Like I have been to these countries, but I think it's it's worth digging a little deeper there. It, it's a place that you... I feel like it's it's almost disrespectful if you don't pay attention to where these people have been and what they've what they've gone through to offer the things that they do. And a really good point is going to be the Via Dinarica, which I definitely want to talk about. But I think the other reason that I brought up museums, which is kind of funny because I never talk about museums. No, it's great. Not... It's, it's great. It really it, it stumped me. I got to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> it's not that I don't know those museums. I just, I just have never thought about the the metric the yeah. metric for thinking of it. I've never thought about that before like it's... that. I think it's because as a traveler, when you visit a new place, a museum is one of those places where you could look to... Or a walking tour, for example, to get a little bit of sense of where you are and what happened there. And I think that that's an important part of... I prefer walking tours if you can get them because generally like you get... You get a whole museum experience in a live, like here's where this all happened, sort of thing. I Agreed. love walking tours, and I, I prefer them over museums. However, there is a museum in Sarajevo that is, well, actually, I think there's a couple of them there that um, that I feel like are a must. You you got to go to them when you're in this region, and it's about the Srebrenica memorial, you know, and the mm-hmm, genocide mm-hmm. and everything that happened there. And I think it's just really important. And also the siege, the tunnel, like all of those things that mm-hmm. that happened even during our lifetime, you know, that people don't know about because we were here in the States in 1995 having a grand old time, you know, and I mean, I, to be, if I'm being, if I, if I can be honest, I think that, um, it, it, that is a great, it's a great question. I mean, it's a great point. I have a complicated, this is, this has less to do with the region and more to do with me. I have a complicated relationship with how I think about the war and the way that it is broadcast. And I think you and I have probably talked about this before, but I think that we have a tendency, and I'll include myself in this, as, as travel, foreign travel writers to focus on things that create uh, cheap drama. And there's nothing about what you said that I would disagree with at all. I think that knowing the history and understanding the recent history is important. But I can tell you from just living in Sarajevo and living in, because um, Croatia certainly has has its own huge relationship with the, the conflict of the 90s, the homeland wars, they would say. But Sarajevo became, and Bosnia became kind of the, at least international uh, emblem of, of symbol of that war. But for me personally, I think a lot of locals in Bosnia would really rather foreigners not make such a deal out of the war. It's not that they don't want it to be respected. They do want it to be respected. And, and I don't want to take any liberties here, but I have both made it a little bit of a personal crusade and one that I think I just needed to mature into to understand a few things about 
covering this region uh, with regard to the war. The first is it is so we're not you were just talking about understanding the region. And I think that what you said is absolutely perfect. There's no I have no no disagreement there. But because I am a travel journalist and I have to constantly think about the way I am portraying a country, because a country doesn't necessarily ask for my particular brand of, of portrayal. What they would love to have is folks to know about them in a positive way. That's what everybody wants. What often happens with Bosnia specifically is that Americans who don't grow up with any real conflict somehow think that because uh, our American journal or a lot of foreign journalists think because there was this drama of this last war, that somehow it ends up being a sexy lead to a story because it's but the fact of the matter is, is 25 years later, and this is the 25th anniversary of the of peace, peace in Bosnia. It was signed in 96. Bosnians, they don't really, every time a story in a major publication comes out and talks about Bosnia and inevitably the first paragraph or the headline or the lead or something will mention the war. It's kind of like, you know, you go one step up with like, oh, great, we made international press. And you take two steps back because the international press may talk about it from a tourism perspective, but it also cements this idea of Bosnia as war-torn. Bosnia definitely went through a, a horrific war. However, Bosnia has so many things to do now. And, you know, as a typical tourist, you don't have to go visit anything that's related to you. You wouldn't necessarily know that you were in a place that was at war, except for the fact that there's this recycled lead headline that comes out of uh, travel journalism that portrays Bosnia as a persevering, recovering, uh, post-war, you know, I mean, I, I myself in the first years of covering Bosnia and, you know, in the late 1990s and early, even up to, I mean, I was looking at a story that I wrote in 2006, where I, I think I used the words persevering, and I, I described the, the marks on the walls around Sarajevo, the pockmarked, yep. you know, mortar. It's like, you know, I mean, I get it, but I also know that that was a less mature version of me who saw it as me trying to be simpatico with my editor so that we could print a groovy uh, story about Bosnia and less thinking about the fact that I have friends in Bosnia who don't necessarily always want to be portrayed as war-torn. So it's a, it's a complicated relationship. I think it's very important for folks to understand more. I think it's also very important for folks to get out of the mindset, especially travel journalists, of where the country was and do the job that travel journalists are supposed to do, which is to understand where they're going, what they have now, what is happening, why, you know, because any editor would ask you as a travel journalist, they would ask two words constantly. Any travel journalist who's ever written will know the two words. Why now? Why are we covering this place now? So, you know, I mean, a lot more than you wanted, but it's an important thing. I think folks need to understand as, as respectful travelers, we have to understand myself most definitely, and maybe primarily included in this, that what we do and how we think and what we're taking and the kind of attention that we pay to certain parts of of a country's history mean a lot to the person who is being watched and visited and asked questions of. So. Right. And yeah. there's so <laughs> much more. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm glad we went there. That was longer than I yeah, thought I know, we would spend. I always but... hesitate. I always hesitate yeah. to do it because I, I really don't want to sound like I'm being pedantic or I'm trying to preach. But it's just obviously a sensitive part for me because I want folks to no longer constantly mm -hmm. hitch the word Balkans with war. It just yes. at some point we need to start hitching the word Balkans with, you know, authentic and beautiful yes. and 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 culture as it as it has been. It's, it's one of the last corners of Europe that has retained this kind of remote culture, even with cell phones, even with internet. Any it, it still feels that way. And for me, it hurts, you know, it hurts me to know that at some point in my writing career, I also helped propagate, I helped propel this kind of war, to, not purposefully. I mean, it was just an immaturity it's, thing. Yeah. And it took it's me 15 years to get too. over it. It's okay. Like, it's okay. Yeah, it's also sure. reality. It's the same thing that's happening with Colombia and gorillas. 
They, yeah, you know, absolutely. it's the same. That's part of the past. And Colombia is beautiful and has so much to offer. I've never even been there. So I can't speak from pers- personal experience, but it's one of the top on my list because, you know, those times are past. That's the point, right? And everybody mm-hmm. in Colombia is making meaning the tourism board and the, you know they're trying to make an effort to move forward why now you know like what do we have to offer sure. now so i think it's a really good point and and a I good think- example because you know you could go you could go to colombia and take a pablo escobar um tour, tour. and 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 some somebody sure. would take you to it i'm sure right. but the question is you know if you're a local and you know how cool your country is how much artwork it has how much history it has for hundreds and hundreds of years before that and then that's what folks were doing. You'd be like, okay, I mean, I guess I need mm-hmm. the income, but yeah. geez, you know, can we get to a place where <laughs> yeah. people see centuries of culture yeah. that is being manifested again in a new way? Or do we have to always, you know, fit into these stereotypes? Yeah. So, yeah. I actually love that we talked about this because I, for what's coming next, you know, let's put this to rest then. Like, well done. Thank you for sharing all of that. I, I do think it is important to, to recognize everything that you just said. So um, now let's talk about why you are still there. What kept you in Croatia? You lived in Bosnia, you lived in other places. What has kept mm-hmm. you there so long? Let's talk about let's talk about that. Well, you know, I should also state just for accuracy's sake, I've gone back and forth, you know, quite a lot. I mean, I was I was in Bosnia in the late and uh, kind of mid, well, let's just say late nineties. And, um, and then came back to the United States to work for a magazine and then came back to, to, to the region to live in Croatia as a freelancer, a full, full-time freelancer in 2004. And then, you know, worked for magazines in the United States. And I, I made, I made, I made times where I was over here for blocks and I was in the United States for blocks working for magazines, but always this place was key on my mind. So it wasn't like it was a 20 year. Please mm-hmm. Um, but there's no question that there was no other place that I was ever considering moving to. I mean, I was never going to move to Paris. Nothing against Paris. I love it <laughs> as we all do. But, um, you know, early on, there were a few things that changed. I mean, I think that being in Sarajevo first, uh, I, which I owe a lot to, um, I owe a lot to the whole region. Um, uh, whatever it is that I have that is whatever goofy career uh, that I have, I owe to this region. Um, part of it had to do with me becoming a young adult in Sarajevo when I first came over here to freelance. And so, you know, it's kind of like, you know, you, your first is always great. And so, or you always fall in love. And so it was the first time as, as, as a person that me traveling to a foreign country actually sunk in as this is my experience. This isn't just something that I'm doing with my family. This is my experience. So that was huge. And the larger reason is that there is so much to do in the Balkans between the landscape and the cultures. I mean, there's mountain ranges, the Adriatic rivers and lakes. And even though to the outside observer, the difference between some of the cultures might seem nuanced. It's not nuanced at all. I mean, there is major differences between these countries. And you know, when I came back to, to Croatia, really, for the first time to live permanently as a freelancer in 2004, about the best I can do and about the best I can say in the way of a compliment to a place is the moment that I stepped foot into the capital of Croatia, I knew it was the place that I wanted to be. It is still, to me, to this day, what in my mind's eye as a youngster, Europe was supposed to be like. Mm. I mean, I know that there's a Paris cafe scene and it's being in Madrid and there's other places that you can be that feel very European, of course. But Croatia and the Balkans, but Croatia in this specific instance, it's just slower than that. I mean, mm-hmm. Paris is already a big city of millions of people. And, you know, having to go to the different arrondissements uh, to find out where you're going to be, you don't have to do that in Zagreb. I mean, Zagreb is this big little city that... Um, People walk everywhere. Everybody's hanging out at cafes. I've always said if you get off at the train station in Zagreb on a Saturday and it's sunny and you walk across the line of parks that takes you from the 
train station to the main square, you will never want to live anywhere else because it's just still has this such a retro feel. So finding a place to live that felt like it synced with what I expected Europe to be. And then learning with a lot of people over the years who were patient enough to let me be stupid about Balkan history so that I could eventually get to a place where I could at least comfortably listen um, and not butcher it every time I wrote about it. Being lucky enough to have those things happen is a big part of it. You know, my, my grandfather is also from Croatia, which was not the reason that I moved there at all. Um, this was not a go find your roots kind of moment because I didn't grow up as a kind of like proud Croatian American or anything like that. But over the years, it, it has meant something. I mean, it, it, it's not the reason that I stay, but it is kind of, uh, you know, it's impossible. You know, this is a very American sentiment, you know, like I'm sure Europeans all over the world is like, please, you left a hundred years ago. Please don't act like you're, (laughs) and I never act like I am at all, but I have to admit, it's cool. It's a cool thing to know that in some weird, goofy way, your family's history, even at some point intersected with the place where you presently live. So. Absolutely. As silly as that sounds, it's a part of it. No, I don't think that's silly. I mean, the most of the listeners are from the US here. And so I think a lot of people are actually going to resonate with that. You know, it's and also the fact that we as uh, US Americans often leave our homes and and go find new places and and find our identities, if you want to call it that, there. Uh, that's something we do as a as a culture. We're a very moving culture. And so I think both sides of that same coin make sense. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so the Balkans, and, and honestly, without this sounding like some kind of promo, it is just so dense. I mean, it's incredibly dense. The history, just to use use your adage here, the other, the flip side of that coin with the complicated history is that it's incredibly dense. And I also have the privilege or not privilege. Uh, I have the, I have the chance or whatever best way to say that is I'm not really having a dog in this fight, right? So everybody expects me to be objective, and I am. I don't have to necessarily side with anything. I'm not nationalistic in any way, you know, uh, even from the country that I'm from. So I have this ability to under to be able to imbibe the density without the complexity overtaking me. So the, the flip side of that coin of it being incredibly complex history is that it's also... For folks who love this kind of stuff, it's incredibly dense history, which is wonderful. And if you combine that with just hands down, I think the most diverse, incredible landscape in Europe. Because, and if you look at the former Yugoslavia as a whole, which it isn't any longer, it's just shocking the resources that they had. If between the Alps and Slovenia and 1,200 islands of the coast in Croatia, Montenegro's coast and incredible mountains, and Serbia and into Kosovo and its mountains and lakes and Macedonia with incredible food and just incredible people and also incredible uh, mountains. You know, I know this sounds like some kind of tourism sales pitch, but it's impossible to get bored. I mean, between those countries and um, between the different things to do, if you're somebody who digs outdoor adventure and I mean adventure with a big A, not 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 the adventure <laughs> travel that it's become, which is just like trying new food. Adventure, you know, with like trying to get to mountaintops and to and trying new food in a mountain hut on a mountaintop yeah. in Macedonia, then you got to go to the Balkans. And so mm-hmm. that has really drawn me. And, and you know, it's given me everything that I have. It's given me everything that I write about. It's given me whatever uh, I have in the way of both my uh, adventure, uh, activities. And, you know, you have Montana, you have a lot of places on the planet. I know that, but I know just from seeing your, your posts, Montana is your happy place with the lakes and the mountains. This is that for, for me, I guess. I have found some happy places in the Balkans as well. Yeah, And I know you have plenty, so I didn't mean to just reserve you to Montana. No, it's just, it's such, I love listening to you talk about it like that. It, it, it actually fires me up because, you know, I have, a couple group trips that I'm leading to Croatia. I don't know if you knew this actually, but in October I'm doing two bike and boat trips 
in Croatia. Well, I knew you had in the past. I'm glad to hear that you're doing it again. And uh, yeah. I'm guessing if it's bike and boat, you'll probably be on the island where I am presently. We uh, will be. Point. And about nice. 50-ish of the people listening right now will also be out there with me. Holy so, yeah. cow, Well, it's two different trip. trips. Two different trips. So oh, um, yeah, we're, we've got two boats going. Nice. Yeah. And that's... We had to postpone last year. And so it's you know been a long year of waiting for this. But I, I'm really getting excited again to go back because the Balkans is one place that I'm I'm never that long away from. It's one of those places I go back to. And um, I actually saw you last time I was there. This was really funny. Mm-hmm. Last time mm-hmm. I saw you, we ran into each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was on my way from from Bosnia, which we're about to talk about too, to my first bike and boat trip in Croatia. I know oh, that's one, right. one person in Croatia. I know you, and I find <laughs> I see you in the Zagreb airport on my layover. I'm like, wait, really? And we were both flying to split. Is that we right? Were both, we were both, I think, to flying to split. Yeah, yeah. You were going wow, on a trip with your mom, yeah. I think, and I was. Yeah, I forgot um, all about that. It's that awesome. Was so random to see you. So yeah. I, because we met originally in Macedonia, right? At a we did like the travel conference, at the ATTA yep. thing. Yeah, that's right. And. We so on that trip, I had just come from an experience, an adventure with a capital A that uh, <laughs> my audience has actually heard about. We I did a a podcast episode about that hike with my girls, my girlfriends. That I mean, we had five women from Montana that went and did a week in the backcountry of Bosnia on the White Trail of the Via Dinarica. This is this is this is when I saw you when you were yeah. flying through Split. Yeah. Yep. Um, because because you had asked me which which trail to go to, if I remember correctly, and I had told you to go between Sutjeska to to Dormitor. Uh, is that where you ended, went? We ended in Sutjeska, so we started mm-hmm. outside of Sarajevo and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and went to Sutjeska. And the the, re- the reason I wanted to bring this up is because you literally helped build and develop that entire thing. So definitely want to give a huge shout out to you because I got to experience that. We were the only people. We were the only people out there. The only hikers, through hikers that we saw while we were out there. And there's a... um, Like I mentioned, there is an episode about it if you guys want to go back and listen to it. Uh, But Alex, you tell us about the Via Genarica real quick because you (laughs) couldn't have done that without you in a way. Well, that's awfully nice of you to say. And... um... Yeah, I mean, look, I, we, the genesis of, the, and I, I won't. <laughs> when you say to do something really quick, and somebody says the genesis of this, you're like, shit. Hey, did he just, did he just go back to the birth? But I will. It came into being post a very long hike that I made uh, to uh, along the Via Alpina, which is another long distance hiking uh, that goes across the Alps, and it had already been and the thought process for several people that are my friends, colleagues at the time, so forth and so on. I was living in Sarajevo in the, in the mid 2000s. And the idea was, why don't we connect? You know, we all love hiking here. This is a place that we all uh, want to be. Why don't we connect the countries of former Yugoslavia? And, uh, you know, there, there is a mountain range that connects them called the Dinaric Alps. And uh, it has since extended into kind of an alternative route that includes Macedonia, goes into the Shar Mountains, the boundaries between Macedonia and, and Kosovo and, and Albania. So one thing led to another. And from a conversation around a, a kitchen table um, in mid-2000s, it led to one project after another that eventually spawned into a larger project that actually connected a lot of the trails that already exist. So, you know, for many, many centuries, people have been walking these mountains, of course, uh, many, many millennia, uh, people have been walking these mountains. And there still are army tracks, you know, from different history, uh, herders tracks, uh, different, different just trails that have existed, traders and so forth and so on. We essentially connected these and it's still a process. I mean, the Balkans take, it's, it's a slow burn. Nothing happens like it does in the United States where you snap your fingers and something. There are still sections of that trail that need, that need work, but the spirit of it almost immediately took off among several people. And between, let's say, 2009 and 2013, it was building and there was a simmer. And then in about 2013, 2014, 
there were a couple of big grants that happened between um, the EU and then USAID that helped to push it over the edge. And so we walked it, we helped divine it, uh, we certainly helped to promote it. And, you know, over the years, it's something that uh, we, we gave a lot of blood, sweat and tears to. And, um, you know, it's hard for me to even hear the words via Donatica because it doesn't really feel like a trail to me. It almost feels like a, a, a portion of my life. But um, I mean, not hard. It's easy to hear it, but it's like I don't think of it like a trail. What's important about it to me, regardless of any of that stuff, because I certainly uh, don't deserve any of that kind of credit. That was a, a labor of love. And there was dozens and dozens of people who, in one way or another, were involved in the creation of that trail. What I loved about it from the beginning and what I still love about it, and it's my philosophy about travel generally, and it is what I try to do more and more as a journalist, but it's also what I try to give credence to as somebody who loves proper tourism development, is it gives a cultural corridor, which is something that we were very careful to describe it as in the early days, because I didn't want this to just be for folks who were extreme hikers. It is a through hike. If you hike it from beginning to end, it probably is a three-month hike. You need to be a rugged individual to hike in the Balkans. I, I don't know how else to say that, but um, because you are remote a lot. It's different than hiking in the Alps, where you have a mountain hut on every mountaintop, which is also fantastic. But that's not the way the Balkans are. So we were careful to describe it as a cultural corridor because... You don't have to hike for three months. You could hike for three days and see things that you likely have never seen and may never see again. And this is a real moment in history. I'm aware of this even before it happens in the Balkans. There will be a time when you and I, specifically me and you, Jackie, will talk about in 10 years, do you remember the Balkans 10 years ago? Because these places don't last forever, no matter how well-intentioned we are. And so... I wanted to make sure that there was a way for, for tourism to be spaced out, to take people into areas that also need recognition and tourism, not just the capitals. The Balkans can be a slightly intimidating place to travel if you're not familiar with them, not because it's unsafe. It's so much safer than the United States. I cannot accentuate that point enough. The cultures here do not have a history of personal violence against people who visit. It just doesn't exist. It, it would go against their whole sense of hospitality to treat a foreigner as anything but an incredibly respected guest. And they would have the shame of their neighbors if they didn't go to great lengths to make sure that the foreigner felt that way. But I, I wanted to make sure that there was a way, we all wanted to make sure that there was a way to connect these communities, to have people understand this kind of culture to do it and also see the incredible landscape of, of the Balkans and the Dinaric Alps. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of work still left to do, but I think we largely or at least partially succeeded. I mean, folks know about the Via Dinatica. They know that it is a thing, you know, and yeah, I don't know. It's a, it's one of the few things I can look back on with genuine pride. You know, as a travel writer, you don't look back on stories and say, oh, I'm proud of that. It doesn't happen. I mean, you get so used to writing stories for publications that it just each one becomes a job. But I mean, I, nobody will ever remember my name with Vietnamica, nor should they. But I will know that I was part of something that hopefully developed tourism in the correct way. It's an important thing right now is to develop tourism in the correct way. And it's a great hiking trail. And it's great. It really I forgot is. to even mention that. It's a good hiking trail. It's yeah. so beautiful. Uh, to that point, I grew up in Northern California and have been to Yosemite a lot of times. And there was a moment on the top of a mountain. I, I'm not going to remember it. But it, no, you know what it was? It was in Sutjeska National Park. We had arrived that day into the National Park and just overlooking... I mean, we were we had summited something. And we we're way up there just looking down at the most incredible... It was Yosemite-like. It's the only thing mm. I, can, I can say. Only there were no people. There was no sign mm -hmm. of any kind of human uh, impact there. It was incredible. And, and I mean, we hadn't seen people in days. you know. And like this is, this is what's waiting for you on this hike. But I think this lends really well, come full circle, to 
what we were talking about at the very beginning, what not necessarily the why now, but my question that that said, you know, if you wanted to give somebody somebody a, a look at the Balkans, where would you send them? And I actually think hiking a piece of this trail would be a really incredible answer to that question because you get the things you were talking about. The incredible landscapes, you get those maybe the meals with the families. I mean, I stayed at because of the USAID, we stayed at a far at a homestay on our mm-hmm. trip with a with a with a family with a couple who didn't speak a lick of English, you know, and we we didn't speak any of of that was in that was in, on the Serbian part of Bosnia, and so I think they were speaking, mm-hmm. you know, it was so incredible to be able to share this experience and have just homemade meals with these people. And, you know, it, it left its own impression on us. Like that is how we got to understand the, that bit of this tiny little corner of the planet was, was through hoofing it, you know, one foot after the other and meeting people and getting a ride with a farmer down a road for a little ways. And I mean, it was, that's really what it's about, which is what you're, what you're talking about. And feeling utterly safe about it too. And I, I don't, without this sounding like I'm just saying it just to make, make a point, I guess I am, but I cannot accentuate how safe the Balkans are because, and that shouldn't matter, but we all know in this day and age it does and male or female, it's just an incredibly safe place. You know, I don't know if we, if we should be, you know, extolling the virtues of hitchhiking, but if you hitchhike in the Balkans, you know, it's like mm-hmm. people still do. It's it, mm-hmm. There's a 1970s vibe about the Balkans mm-hmm. in a weird way. And, you know, I think part of the reason originally that, that, that the quite your very good question about museums that would that would kind of give folks a sense of the Balkans. The reason it threw me is because, as I said, I think of it, I think of the Balkans in terms of physical, uh, physical activities in my mind. And maybe maybe I'm just not maybe I'm just slightly too daft to, to think in terms of museums. But each of these countries are just unbelievable in their experiences, even after doing them multiple times. I'm, I'm in the middle of writing multiple stories about cycling. And this, the one that I'm writing right now is in Slovenia. And the cycling in Slovenia is, the hiking in Slovenia is incredible, but the cycling is it's just shocking. Um, shocking and really hard. But at the same time, easy because you can do it. You don't have to do long distances, but I mean, there's not a flat spot in almost all of Slovenia. So you're but the beauty of that is you're you're getting to places that are unbelievable and everything has a panorama and it's just, you know, just to go down the list, there's in, incredible hiking. And of course you have 1200 islands, but incredible hiking in, in Croatia, uh, in the Velebit mountains in Croatia. Oof, I mean, it's just shocking. Bosnia, as you know, and as you have already spoken about here and on former podcasts, Bosnia is like a giant eco park. I mean, it's just mountain ranges just littering the country, just they all lead down to Montenegro, which also has just, you know, the, the mountains are just across the border from, from Bosnia. You know, you go from Sutjeska National Park into Dormitur National Park in northern uh, Montenegro. It's just stunning. And the two biggest mountains in the region are facing each other in Bosnia and in Montenegro there. And then you have the Tara River that, goes between them that is the deep second deepest gorge in the world behind uh the grand canyon uh and just an incredibly big river um macedonia the shar mountains you know for folks who like backcountry hiking it just isn't better seven days hard 35 kilometer days uh in the outback in macedonia where you stumble upon villages with the best food you've ever eaten Cycling across the eastern section of Serbia uh, along the Danube is something that I had never done until a couple of years ago on a long-distance cycling trip. And I'm ashamed. I'm ashamed that I had never been there because it was as stunning and as, uh, uh, and as surprising as anything, any place I'd ever cycled or hiked. And it just, you know, I was blown away by it. Kosovo has both the Shard Mountains and, 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 the, and the Dinaric Alps. You know, I, I don't know what to say, except for when I think of these countries, I don't necessarily think of politics. I think of how their mountain ranges fit together and and where hiking uh, leads you to villages that, that you may never even find again. So 
gosh. And it, and it's it's inexpensive to be here. I mean, comparatively. I mean, now I really am becoming just a promo piece for the Balkans, but I love it with good reason. <laughs> with okay. good reason. Yeah. With, 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 good, good, with reason. good reason. Absolutely. Yeah. It's overlooked and underrated, I think. Yeah. And one of my absolute favorites. I almost don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I don't want it to change very much, but oh man. But you know what? It's going to take the right people to go all the way out there because it's not Western Europe. It's different. No. And it's no. an extra flight right. and it's it's a different language. It's one step further down the, the rugged uh, scale. Without progressing too quickly, that conversation that I just had, that said with you with us looking back in 10 years and saying, do you remember 10 years ago where like it's changed completely without pushing that point too much further? Cause I don't want to, I don't want to accelerate that process any more than is necessary, <laughs> but the Balkans to me, and I may use this in a story sometime up. It feels to me from a travel perspective, it feels to me the way a good party feels when it's really hard to find where the party is <clears throat> and the folks who are throwing the parties they don't necessarily want to give directions because the folks that are supposed to find it will find it. Like a speakeasy. It's, it's like that. It's like you look, it's like a speakeasy where you look around a corner and you realize you found it by luck. You didn't even mean to find it. And then suddenly you're there. It's easy to find a lot of places that, you know, they make it very easy. The Balkans for one reason or another, it's not always easy to find, but when you do, you know, when you got there and that's, um, you know, Yeah. I love that because I am attracted to that. Like that's why I live in Montana. It's not easy. Mm -hmm. It's out of the way. Right. It's harder to live here. The winters are long, harsh, dark, you know? Like it's and I grew up in the heart of the West where everyone and their entire families literally go all the time and move there and leave all the time. Like it's so transient. It's very I mean, that's it's Tahoe. That's where I grew up. It's it's gorgeous, but it's easy. It's so easy. It's mm. 55 mm. and sunny in the mm. middle of the winter. Mm. You can ski mm. on mashed potatoes and and Montana is different. It's rugged. And this is why I love Patagonia too. I love the places that are an extra flight away that are a little bit harder. It reflects in the landscape, mm. in the people, in the culture, in the food, all of it. It's present all throughout, like just a thread woven of of a certain kind of rugged, off the beaten pathness. And that is so <clears throat> worth seeking out. It's so worth seeking out. Well put. And I really well put. And I would just, uh, you know, encourage, I, I won't even say I'll encourage other people. I'll, I'll just, I'll keep this to myself. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'll keep my piece of advice that I'm about to say. I'll use it for myself, but I'll say it out loud. And because, you know, at the expense of sounding preachy, because I also need to think about this. It is, a, it is an extra amount of time and energy it takes to get there. And during that extra step, it's worth thinking about. It's worth me thinking about the importance of considering what I get a chance to do by taking that extra step. There's no reason to take an extra step just so that I can write down that I've been to another country. I also don't want to sound too crotchety, but I can't begin to tell you how little I, I care about how many countries somebody's been to. When somebody tells me how many, it's like, please, who cares? That, that's your business. So, you know, it's, it's, not, it's not like a personality trait. But to go with it with that mindset would be a shame because, and you probably won't come back because it is hard. But if you go to it with the kind of intent and mindfulness of what it means to get to a place that is hard to get to and pay the kind of respect of what is due to a place that is still secluded in that way um, and has gone through the difficulty and has existed through a, a, a complex history and continues to stand tall with what it is that they have. People who are here, they're very proud of what they have. They really don't care about the stereotypes, the misplaced stereotypes. So to get there, to take that extra step to get there and to do it with the mindfulness that is due to Balkans. Yeah, I agree with you. It's an important place to come and to understand it a little bit better and to enjoy. Absolutely. Yeah. I love it. I'm so excited to come back. Oh, <laughs> I really am. Both of your creation trips are in October, huh? Yeah, it's Dubrovnik to split to Dubrovnik, just back to back. Cool. Two sailing cool. trips with bikes. Right and on. You have a bike right now, don't you? Do you? 
I don't, but it's oh. but it's mainly because we're I'm I'm taking <laughs> I caught you without a bike. What? Who well, are you? <laughs> yeah, I think my my bike is split. I have I, I, okay. I it's close by. <laughs> I came here both for vacation and for um, as kind of lame as it sounds. It's really hard to do really good research for stories while you're on a bike. I mean, if I have no choice and it's the only way that I have to do research for a story that I'm doing about cycling, then of course that's when you do it. But after cycling for X number of miles a day and then getting off and and securing where you're going to sleep and dealing Mm -hmm. with food Mm -hmm. and all that stuff to then like pull out your notebook and start reporting (laughs) can be exhausting. You know, (laughs) it's a little exhausting. So I live in this country and I have a, I have a cycling story about it coming up soon. So which I will ride. I'll ride the, the length of this country uh, again in, in September. Um, cool. I figured I have a, a really good friend visiting. So we're taking the time to enjoy Dalmatia. And I'm also mm-hmm. sneaking in a little bit of research for what will eventually be my story. So, yeah. So, yeah. no, I, I'm not actually riding a bike right now, but, <laughs> I, but, I, yeah. but I think about my bike all the time. <laughs> well, I hope I get to run into you. Next time I'm there in October, you never know. I mean, I would never have thought that I would have seen you last time. So I have a feeling it'll work out. We'll see each other in some street somewhere. Yeah, probably. We'll we'll go. We'll go grab a beer and and uh, and talk about talk about next stages. Yeah, rad. All right. Well, anything that you want to share about what you're working on or where people can find you in case they want to. See what you're. Well, that's nice of you to ask. Well, uh, you know, I have a website that just lists the stories that I do or have done, or a few of the stories that that I can fit onto the page is alexcrevar.com. Alex Crevar is also, you know, Instagram and all that stuff. I have a couple of stories coming up for a couple of different cycling magazines in Slovenia and in Croatia, which are two countries that I would heavily recommend to anybody who is going to be in the region and. No, I mean, I'm just I'm going to treat folks finding my stories the same way the speakeasy uh, metaphor that we just <laughs> used. If you find one of these ridiculous stories that I write, I guess read them. You know, I mean, it it, it might be entertaining for a few minutes, and uh, and then you know we'll be uh, we'll be connected in that way. There's no good reason after all these years for me to start plugging myself too hard now. So, <laughs> good luck finding it. And if Aww. you do read one, congratulations. Yeah. Well, um, for my part, thank you for not only for your time today and for sharing everything, but for honestly, everything that you're doing for the region and for the Balkans and just having the heart. It's really important to have people like you on this planet. So, Well, that's incredibly nice of you to say. Personally, experience one of your projects, which is just amazing. So I feel like... Um, Unfortunately, we're not done with this. I I didn't even get to really talk to you about Croatia, which I thought we were going to talk about today, and it ended up being mostly about you know the entire region. And so we might have to do this again. <laughs> I'm always game. I like the idea of this cycling trip in Croatia because folks so rarely see this country in that way, in that mm-hmm. really responsible tourism, taking the time to take the extra step with self locomotion to go visit some of these places instead of just taking a plane and then driving and all that stuff. Croatia has way more than what normally is promoted. It's just way, way deeper and denser than, than a lot of the places that are promoted. So communicate with me and and we'll do it again. Okay. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Um, You're welcome. Thank you. Good luck with your research and your story. I can't wait to read it. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch up with you again soon. All right. Thanks for having me, Jack. Thank you, Bye. Alex. So what do you think about that? <laughs> I hope you can understand why I think it's such an important conversation. I definitely feel that we can take the understanding we have of a place having a dense history and appreciating it for all of those reasons, but knowing that that history is past and it doesn't necessarily reflect where the place is now. We can apply that to so many places around the world. While we can appreciate and respect their past, we can also focus on what makes them beautiful and worth visiting today because today is actually where we are. I loved it. Um, Thank you again to Alex for unpacking so much for us and for seriously amping me up to return to the region with you guys 
this fall. I actually got done with this interview and literally went online and bought my plane ticket to Croatia, like in that moment for my group bike and boat trip this October. Do you, do you guys ever do that? Do you ever listen to an episode of this show and then just go buy a plane ticket? I would love to hear it if you do. I just feel so fired up to get back to the Balkans right now. And I'm so undescribably excited to see some of you guys over there after a particularly rough year. We still have a few spots left for our bike and boat trips in Croatia this October, but you do need to act fast if you want to join us. Registration is closing soon. You can find these trips at travelingjackie.com slash Croatia, and you can always find all the trips I'm organizing for you guys if you follow jumpadventures.com. Just go through that link and you will find all of the things. Um, I hope this leaves you with an impression that the Western Balkans is authentic, beautiful, cultured, off the beaten path, worth visiting. And if you want to continue your journey in the Balkans today, go catch episode 125, where I sit down with my girlfriends after we spent a week hiking in the Bosnian backcountry, which Alex and I referred to a couple times in this episode. Um, in that episode 125, that's where we talk about our experience on the Via Dinarica. So put that episode next in your queue. I'm inspired. I think next time I need to go continue the trek and go from Sutjeska National Park in Bosnia to Dermator National Park in Montenegro, like Alex was talking about. In fact, I just looked it up to make sure I was pronouncing that second one right. <laughs> the first picture I saw of an emerald blue mountain lake just made me melt. Ugh, this is so my love language. All right, check the show notes for links to Alex and his work, alexcravar.com. I'll put a link to the Croatia trip and beyond in there as well. Thank you for listening all the way to the end today, for being with us from wherever you are in the world. I appreciate you. Stay safe, have fun, talk soon. 